Welcome everybody to Connecting the Universe. We have a fantastic class for you this evening. We're gonna be talking about secrets of the American Southwest. Um, it's really a, a part of the country that has that has called out to me. I've really enjoyed my, my time out there. I wish when I was younger I'd gotten out there a little bit more, but uh, in, in recent years I've been able to get out there a little bit, explore some areas, and just recently here, a few weeks back, I returned from a trip out that way. I was out at the Las Cruces Paracon. I was out at the Vulture City Paracon. And in between, I worked in some explorations. So we're going to be diving into some of those areas this evening. But we need to get first to the class question. And I know I posted it rather late uh, this time around. Rather late today, actually. It's been a uh, absolutely ridiculous busy week and I thought when October would end it would kind of calm down it just hasn't been that way so far so I was really uh, I was really behind the ball today trying to get things together and uh, post the class question late unfortunately which actually very similar to the uh, the monthly Q&A question that I posted for uh, those members of the Connected Universe portal. So for those that are listening later to the podcast version on uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or the syndicated version on uh, KGR Radio, KGRA Radio, or KPNL, uh, you can come out here, connecttheuniverseportal.com. This is a weekly live interactive class, Wednesday nights, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Be a part of the presentation. Be a part of the chat. Uh, there's all kinds of other fantastic uh, videos and materials and articles and all that wonderful stuff out at connecteduniverseportal.com. 30-day free trial. Come check it out and be a part of this. So the class question was, uh, what is the... Uh, you know, one secret, if, if it could be answered, what's the one secret from uh, the, the American Southwest you would want answered? And so I'm going to use one from Victoria here. Some of the others um, are, are not a part of this evening. Uh, so like uh, Bill Prack had a question in there about white sands. I'm going to, we're going to talk about the portal part of that question. Uh well, I, and then Victoria had a question here. Actually, I, I will answer um, a small part of that uh, from from Bill. So, and, and Tom McNicholas, uh, your question there will definitely be asked during the uh, monthly Q&A video. Well, it should go out later this week. Um, and so Bill was asking, when you were walking around, did you feel any portals? Uh, we are going to get to that when we get to the Sedona part of this. Um, to me, the American Southwest is a very mystical area of the country. When I was out at Chaco Canyon, which was almost two years ago now, uh, I definitely felt that energy there. You could absolutely feel an energy at Chaco Canyon, specifically Pueblo Benito. That's where I spent the majority of my time. I was only, only had about six hours to, to spend out there and like five of it, if you can imagine, five hours in one spot, Pueblo Benito. Uh, and Chaco Canyon is absolutely huge. Uh, we're going to get into some chocolate stuff here uh, a little bit later. And then you have Victoria, uh, Sedona rocks, pun intended. Nice. <laughs> and great, Victoria, to see that you got your uh, name up there uh, this time. So uh, very, very cool. Uh, and then Victoria's question uh, was, 
uh, what's the deal with all the swirls? What do they mean? So uh, what she's talking about, and we are going to get into uh, a bit more of this later, are uh, these type of swirls that you see in petroglyphs uh, all over the place out there. And they're not just in uh, in the American Southwest. You see these things all over the world. And we've talked about the swirls in past classes uh, when we talked about uh, when we've talked about stargates and portals, when we've talked about ancient symbolism, uh, one of the uh, Egypt uh, classes that we did back in the summer, we talked about the swirls, and you see it here on uh, some of their their pottery out in Egypt, that swirl pattern. This is uh, ancient symbolism that's been with us for a long, long time, and we will get to that a little bit more in depth later in this particular class, but um, yeah, you see this all over the world, uh, Sardinia, Newgrange, pretty much everywhere, and we have covered this uh, before, but to me, it's always interesting to re-explore it because we're you're seeing those connections uh, all across the globe over thousands and thousands of years, part of, of course, the connecting universe and how we talk about that all the time. So, uh, yeah, and Victoria, previously known as Facebook user two. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, um, all right, let's go ahead and get into it. We're going to start with uh, Montezuma's well. Uh, and to me, this was a, a real treat. Um, our friend James Keenan put me onto this place. So uh, James was there with me at the Las Cruces Paracon, and I, I told him you know, about where I was going to be for the next week between Las Cruces and uh, in Vulture City. And he said, you know, one place you really need to go to is Montezuma's Well. And I, I explained, I have a lot of video clips I'm going to be uh, showing this evening. And uh, I kind of explained that in that particular video. Uh, one caveat that I do want to throw out there, this is not an all-inclusive, uh, you know, Southwest or American Southwest uh, class. There's so much material to cover. You could not possibly cover it in one class. And a lot of the work that James does in the Uintah Basin uh, out there in Utah, like um, Skinwalker Ranch, Blind Frog Ranch, those locations, uh, we're, we're not covering that this evening. We'd have to, bring, you know, we could bring James on to talk about that stuff. We, maybe we'll talk a little bit about the Uintah Mountains and Giants and things like that if we're able to uh, get to that particular topic. Uh, Again, way, way, way too much to be able to cover in this particular class. So we're kind of focusing on those places that I've explored here over you know, the past couple of years. In any case, Montezuma's Well, uh, what I'm going to do here uh, for this location is let myself explain it. So uh, those that watched the latest uh, uh, special feature that I put up there on the Connected Universe Portal site, uh, part of this clip will be familiar to you uh, for sure. I do have things geared up for this evening that I have never shown before, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but here's uh, me at Montezuma's Well kind of explaining what's going on there. And it's very, very interesting because it's an origin story of the peoples of that area. And I, I know these photos that I tossed up there, uh, you know, the, the context you don't really have of how big this is. This one in particular I'll, I'll uh, bring back up here, but you can see in the walls uh, of this 
of this large, large basin, you can see the uh, the housing structures there. The, uh, some of these were used for for houses. Uh, you know, these are cliff dwellings. Some of them were used for storage as well. So, uh, so here I am explaining the area. Okay, I am here at Montezuma's Well, kind of panning around a little bit so you can get a, a view of that. It is a pretty cool little area. So there are origin stories here for the Native Americans and kind of depends on who you listen to. So if you do some searches on the internet, you're going to find stories about a girl that was sealed up in a hollow log. If you talk to somebody like uh, Clifford Mahuti, who is a Zuni elder who is actually ousted from his his order and from the, the Zuni culture because he was, um, I guess, talking about stuff he shouldn't have been talking about. Uh, he has a little bit of a different story to, to tell about that. And uh, you know, my co-host is Victoria would love it because it has to deal with um, underground stuff and ant people and all of that. And um, so basically the idea is um, during the destruction of Lemuria, the ant people helped uh, the ancient Lemurians hide uh, underground. Um, you also have some interesting information about... Um, yeah, basically Japanese that came over, Chinese, there's supposed to be some Chinese petroglyphs out amongst some of the, uh, the other stuff, uh, the other regular petroglyphs. So now I will say that this is kind of secondhand in some ways. Um, I, I know Clifford and uh, we met last June at the UFO Mega Conference. We actually talked about uh, what we called the raw people and, you know, Basically, I was asking about uh, shadow people. And so he told me in their culture, they would call them the raw people, the interdimensional beings. So that's what Clifford and I mostly talked about was the raw people and shadow people, interdimensional type beings. Um, we didn't talk about this together. So this information actually comes secondhand through James Keenan, who does all the Uinta Basin stuff, Skinwalker Ranch, and all of that. Uh, he and I were chatting at the uh, Las Cruces Paracon about basically where I was going to, where I was going to be. And he said, check this place out. This is what Clifford says about it. And I tried digging up some uh, old podcasts with Clifford and listening to them, see if he talked about it a little. He did a little bit, um, not necessarily Montezuma as well, but like with Lemuria and the ant people and all that. So basically the idea is that um, the, the ancient peoples were saved by the ant people brought underground Victoria's going to say Hollow Earth. Um, I'll just say large underground caverns where they could live for a while. And then when the time was right, they came back up uh, out. And so this is supposed to be uh, the access point where they came out and then they repopulated the Earth after the great cataclysm, after the great disaster. Whether that was the, the flood, they do talk about the, the flood story and all that stuff. Um, but I'm going to have to research to put all the pieces together uh, for this particular story with, with the well and the origins and all that and where the flood, flood fits in or if it was a different cataclysm. But in any case, um, still very interesting uh, that this would have been potentially an access point. 
they've had just doing a little bit of research on the well itself. Um, it, it's hard for uh, like fish to live in here. Fish can't live in here. It's too heavily carbonated. So they have some other uh, smaller like leeches live around here. Some small weird shrimp type things. I guess there's like five species of animals that live in here, uh, but most can't. They saw some you know ducks swimming around. They can swim. That's fine. They're not living in the water. Um, they're not really sure how far down this goes, <laughs> which kind of leads into the legend and the tale and everything, because, um, when they have, like, they've, like, they've had divers in here, they can only get so far, they've tried to put robots down into there, they get pushed back out, um, so they're having a very, very hard time actually researching the depths of this. They do not know how far down it goes and where all it goes, uh, so it leads you to question, are those like the underground caverns that the ancient Lemurians had lived in long, long ago that's now filled in with water and is inaccessible? Is, is that where, you know, they came out of, uh, you know, and, and being helped by the, the ant people down there? And when we talk ant people, we're talking, <clears throat> you know, listen to Clifford. So like they had translucent ones that were about two uh two and a half feet tall and then i guess some red ones that were like a couple feet taller than that so they weren't any more than like four feet tall but they stood erect uh, and, and he made comments about you know put you know an ant a praying mantis and then an et next to each other and you can like see an, an evolutionary type process from one to the other so it's, it's kind of interesting so were they possibly ETs that had uh, that had helped the ancient cultures, protected them here until the Earth was was habitable again. All right, so I apologize for some of the background noise. There, there were a bunch of kids that were running around. I mean, it was get a, a a guy out there, you know, taking his kids out and showing him some sights and some other people walking around. So, um, a little bit of a awkward situation to record in and you know, I guess I was kind of hemming and hawing so I apologize for for all of that but very very interesting location some of the the origin legends and uh yeah I saw uh Victoria here cough cough hollow earth um yeah again it's not like a pit into like this cavernous void within the middle of the earth I mean we do have a a molten core with highly magnetic energy uh, but as far as like large cavernous areas uh, throughout the earth, um, yeah, I'm absolutely uh, on board with, with that part. And uh, given the the legend and the, uh, you know, geological situation that's going on there. So, you know, if those, if those caverns exist there, you know, these large open spaces and they're now filled with water. There is a, a, a river that runs by there and we'll get into that here in just a moment. Uh, you know, so it, it fills up with water, but, you know, what is pushing things back out of there? You know, is it, is it heat? Is it pressure? Uh, again, there's only like five different species of animals that are living within there. It's highly carbonated. So what's creating the carbonation in the water that basically kills almost all life, you know, except for, you know, a, a small number of species, you know, there are uh, strange and mysterious things that are, you know, under that water. And this was a, 
you know, highly revered area by the cultures because this is where they believe that they came out of, or at least for a period of time, because while it's an origin story of where their peoples came from, there's like a pre-origin to all of that, that, you know, they had ancestors from longer, longer ago that were hiding in there. And um, I saw some of the other comments here, uh, and people are totally ETs. Yeah, they, they would have been ETs that, you know, why did they help these people? We don't know the reasons why, but according to their legends, they did. And I find it interesting. Um, and, and again, you know, Clifford and I you know, never talked about this. And when I was out there uh, in Arizona, I, I did not meet up with, with Clifford. Uh, I tried to contact him and we just, you know, we weren't able to, uh, to make that happen. But, um, you know, I, I had talked to him back in the summer about interdimensional beings, raw people, shadow people, that sort of thing. Uh, not about these legends, which I'm going to want to pick his brain. But, um, you know, listening to, it was one of his podcasts where uh, I had gotten that information from about, you know, put the different, uh, you know, species together. The, the ant people that are talked about, the praying mantis entities that are talked about, and then what we uh, view as like a traditional quote-unquote ET and you can see like this evolutionary process uh, which is kind of interesting to really think about so also within that area um, and I found this this quite fascinating so the first here's uh, one of the cliff dwellings this is actually at a lower level this isn't one that you have to climb up into you can actually just you know, basically walk right up to it there's a little fence there uh, as you walk around the uh, the lake area part of uh, Montezuma as well. But then after you come out of that area and go down the hill, I, I'd mentioned that there was a, a uh, stream nearby, a river nearby. In this photograph here that you guys are looking at, uh, that is off to the, the left. Uh, you can kind of barely see the water over there. There's a lot of vegetation in the way. They have this beautiful path and these stairs leading up. Uh, what I want you to note is that there's, you know, fresh water nearby, um, you know, just basically down the hill from, quote unquote, Montezuma as well. And Montezuma was never there, by the way. It's just a name that, that's been given to it. But I want you to take a look at the, uh, the rock structures on the right, which look very, very cool. But what is it composed of? So there's a very helpful park ranger that uh, you know that came by, and he and I chatted uh, when I when I first parked there and was walking up, and I was asking him some you know information about the area, and he was trying to give me some helpful you know tips for you know what to explore and check out some things which I couldn't get to because I was actually very limited on time, uh, but one of the things that he pointed out to me were the stones on the right-hand side. And I've got another picture here for you. Take a little bit of a closer look as to what this is composed of. You can probably very obviously see the quartz that's there. But the darker patches that are within there, that's actually silver. Yeah, silver. So think about this. You have this very very interesting area filled with legends and lore and origin stories and a 
location right now, all the stories aside, that is virtually inaccessible to to humans and even to machinery. They cannot get robots down into that well to see how far down it goes and to discover what may actually be down there. And then you have this quartz and silver right there. Well, okay, a highly conductive metal plus a a stone that you know we know is highly conductive for uh, electricity that or crystal that's highly conductive for electricity that's used in electronic components you know you're starting to see the connections here of a highly highly energetic area got some comments coming here in here um so victoria uh travertine is a type of limestone which can turn into calcium carbonate uh, and the carbonation and natural soda stream. Okay, um, gotcha. So that could be why it's it's carbonated. Uh, but in any case, okay. So and if if limestone, and I did not I did not get into that. What you know the uh, you know the type of stone that may actually be you know down inside there. If it's limestone, well, there's a highly another highly conductive uh, type of stone. We see uh, you know all kinds of areas that. You know, when you have the limestone in the water, then, you know, we see all that supernatural and paranormal activity happening in those areas. And you look at the, you know, you look at the the pyramids, you know, they're made of what, limestone and granite, um, you know, which, you know, become a high uh, conductor of electricity that, you know, we have these theories of power plants and things like that. So do you have that type of power there in such a place like Montezuma's well very very well could be and this could be uh this could be one of the reasons why the ETs or the ant people were there to begin with were they they're harnessing uh some sort of power that was there and then all of a sudden this great cataclysm happens you have these humans running for their lives okay you know we'll we'll hide them down here for a period of time could possibly be so let's move on a little bit, just right down the river. This is all this all ties in together. You have Montezuma's castle. Now it's it's not really a castle. And again, Montezuma was never there. But basically, these are larger cliff dwellings. Um, you could get a few families in there. Uh, you know, they they don't exactly know why these cliff dwellings were abandoned although that they have seen uh you know remnants of you know fire that had been there so you know you know possibly there was some sort of violence that may have moved them on or uh you know some sort of accident that happened that they decided to abandon the location um but it's fascinating now you can't climb up in there of course <laughs> uh you know, the, I guess the only people that have really been in there are, you know, people that have helped to go up there and try to preserve it. But you have these other caves around the area as well. So these little caves and, uh, you know, hollow areas that they've burrowed out for uh, additional dwelling, storage space, things like that. Uh, what I found quite interesting... And we'll, well, I'll actually get to it in a moment. Let me go ahead and let me see. Is that the, no, I do not want to play that clip yet. Okay, I do want to, 
No, no, no. We'll get to the basins in a minute. Okay, I, I will play this clip. Here we go. Okay, so yeah, I'm down here by the picnic area at the front of the whole complex. Um, it's kind of throwing me off over there. It almost looked like the river was running south to north, which is a little backwards unless you're the Nile River. Uh, but here you can obviously see from north to south. So this is what I was saying earlier about the waters from your ancient site of power, the well, your origins where, you know, you came up out of the, the earth, you know, where you had been protected for all of those years. And those same waters are coming down here and, and nourishing you. So um, there's a you know, very symbolic connection here maintaining yourself along this along this creek and you're supplying your your people with that so you know here's the waters that kept us safe for all of those years when the ant people saved us from the catastrophe and we're able to to take that right from here right in front of our homes which are just right over there so very cool connection indeed all right, so that's the river that runs right by Montezuma's castle. This is, uh, for those that are unfamiliar with where this area is, it's Verde Valley. So basically it's between uh, Phoenix and further up north is Sedona. And this river runs by uh, the well area that was uh, basically, I, I should have gotten a better photo of the river up here but basically that's off to the left of this photo when i was showing the the rocks earlier and uh, it's right there running past uh, just i don't know maybe a hundred feet in front of the uh, montezuma's castle area if even that much and the connection that i was drawing there was okay i mean these these people are going to be related they're going to be you know the, the same people's uh, that populated the area. And those that would have migrated uh, from the well area after, you know, the catastrophe was over and they started, you know, coming out from there, they would have settled down there uh, by the castle area. And downriver makes a, a lot of sense because, okay, here's, you know, the water from that area that would have kept us, you know, that, that area that kept us safe. So we know that this is... I mean, it's symbolic, of course. You know, the the water is symbolic of a time that we were kept safe. So this water is going to keep us safe and it's going to come down and it's going to nourish us and continue to keep us safe. So I thought that was a very, very interesting uh, connection there between the, the well and the castle. You know, obviously they're connected anyways, but, um, you know, ancient peoples always, you know, thought very highly of, these type of uh, natural uh, elemental type of connections. So, you know, water was always something that kept people connected. And so just being just, you know, a few miles down river, you know, these waters that kept us safe are going to continue to do so. All right. Um, Victoria is asking, are you still able to go down to the water? Uh, there's still a vibe down at the river. So, uh, I mean, you I guess you can't walk into it, but you know, you have the railing that's right there next to the water. I mean, I guess you could probably, you know, dip your hand in, you know, if you reach through and do that, um, they, they try to keep you to the path and they have 
signs up there, you know, don't stray from the path. So um, I guess they don't want you doing that, but I'm sure you could. And if not there, you could find some other location that's not a part of the park, you know, upriver or downriver and go do that, you know. Um, and then, you know, you guys are, are talking about, there's Bill and there's Victoria again talking about, uh, you know, volcanic activity and you know would that be a part of uh that area well i mean at some point you know most parts of the world have had some sort of volcanic activity that's you know the kind of the way our, our world or our land was built but this area also at some point would have been part of a seabed you know through different phases of uh the world you've kind of had uh you know these two different types of uh uh, phenomenon that have occurred but it's funny you mention uh, volcanic activity because there's another object there or actually several objects that were there that I noticed and those are these these little basins here and I noticed this one here at first like hey that looks quite familiar to me. I've seen that before. And there are actually several that were there that um, you know, in these, you know, and they're just like broken down walls that are essentially squares or smaller rectangles that were probably dwellings. And several of them had these uh, little basins in there. If you look at the rock, it almost looks like pumice. And I make this observation. I'll play the clip. Like I said, you guys are getting quite a few video clips today. I'll go ahead and play this for you. Okay, as I was walking back down, I noticed this little basin here. No sign or anything designating exactly what it is. Is it more modern made? I don't know. I saw something similar at Chaco Canyon a couple years ago. So I don't know, I don't, I can't think of a reason why something modern made would be left here. But it's kind of different. There's another one over there. This has gotta be something. Yeah, there's another one right there. Okay, we're gonna have to look into that because if you look at the actual makeup of the stone, it seems much more porous in nature. It's a different type of stone than what's in most of this rock. It look, well, maybe a couple, but it, it almost looks, almost looks like a pumice. So I'm gonna look up to find out exactly what that is. That's intriguing. It's definitely intriguing to me, because again, I remember seeing something similar at Chaco Canyon a couple years ago. All right, and of course, that's gonna take us into our Chaco Canyon footage, but see, that was very, interesting to me on a couple of on a couple of levels now i i mentioned uh you know i don't think this is modern and the reason why you know i for a moment thought it may have been uh modern is if you look at it it, it almost looks like the um you know like the little concrete uh stone slabs that you'll see uh at the end of a downspout at a house you know, in, in your side yard or whatever. Uh, in some ways, it resembles that, but it, it's some small basin. And obviously, being in each one of these, 
um, it, it basically adheres to the idea that you know these these were there. Uh, these were part of these structures and also I can't possibly see them leaving something modern in the middle of a historic site like that although I, I've seen some strange stuff over the years like when I was in Egypt there somebody uh, had their you know large nasty cooler just sitting on the corner of the Great Pyramid so you see some weird stuff uh, but you know, that was obviously part of the structure. What they used it for, now, I did try to do a little research uh, since then on it. Uh, ha again, I've been extremely busy, haven't had a lot of time, haven't found any information on it. And uh, what's interesting, when I show the clip from Chaco Canyon, talking about a similar type of thing that's that was there, um, there's no information on it. So... Um, and, and I have like the little booklet, you know, which basically kind of details all the little, you know, nuances of the particular room that you're in. You, know, you just kind of look it up by a number and it tells you, you know, what's going on with the different uh, parts of the room. And that basin isn't talked about. So is it just one of those things that you know, we don't know what it is, so we're just going to not even mention it? You know, we don't know. So let me go ahead we're going to get into Chaco a little bit here and this is where we start getting into things that I've never shown before that's going to be coming up here uh, pretty soon but here's the basin at Chaco Canyon you guys can see the similarities in it now you take an amazing room like this and you wonder what exactly it was used for so on the ground you have this this basin here it's actually collecting water uh, so kind of obvious, maybe some sort of water collection system was a ceremonial use. What exactly was going on here? You know, if the site was for ceremonial purposes, what was this room for? What was the function of this? And you look through the little park booklet, and they have a lot of great information about the location, the construction, and that. We even have a little marker here, but it doesn't explain what this thing was used for. So it's another mystery of what this location actually was. This the inset on the wall over here you know what exactly is going on over here you know it's you know let's take a closer look at it you know so you can see that the original construction actually goes lower you can easily set i don't know some sort of idol here some sort of artwork some sort of item you're going to worship we don't know you got a water basin here the two related and remember this place is aligned to the stars so it makes you wonder the significance of this room it had to have been very significant the low manner in which you have to enter here it's the, it's the shortest door i've seen yet they have to bow down to enter here you have this set into the wall it could very easily be some sort of you know idol or memorial object and then you have this water collection basin down on the ground here it really makes you wonder what exactly this room was used for. Yeah, that particular room to me had a lot of significance. Um, and I'm going to show you some other aspects of that here in a moment. Um, you know, but at first, you know, I, I keyed into, of course, the inset in the wall that I was showing there at the very end, where you could put you know, some sort of idol or something of importance. You know, you had to think back in the day, if they're going to, you know, they have a building that they are constructing to create something 
like that, which is going to take some special uh, building techniques to make that happen. You look at the whole rest of the structure, and you know here's an aerial view of uh, of Pueblo Bonito of Chaco Canyon. So basically, where this is is uh, toward the top of that photo in one of those rooms uh, back there at the at the tip. Uh, and this is not my photo. Uh, kind of a interesting situation there with Chaco Canyon. I had asked about, can I put a drone up? Um, when I was filming and taking photos there, there was a uh, gentleman there who was, he was a off-duty park ranger. And he was there with his mother. And they were, you know, just kind of, he was giving her the tour of the area. They're checking things out. Uh, she was very in tune to, you know, I feel like my ancestors are here. Uh, that's what she was feeling at the time. And I had asked him some different things about, hey, can I interview you? He was off duty. I said, no, he would have to get permission. Same thing with the drone. Can I put the drone up in the air? He's like, you have to get special permission from the front office. Okay, so I'm not putting the drone up. And the reason why that is, is because they fear that by people putting drones up in the air, they'll be able to get these wider aerial pieces of footage and we will discover some other sacred sites, burial locations that they don't want people accessing and touching. So that's something that they're afraid of right now. At least that's that's what he told me. So in any case, um, yeah, that particular room, the doorways to be able to access it, uh, one is extremely, extremely small. And I'm going to show you that here in this particular clip. I don't think what some people realize when they see the video footage and photos of these locations here at Chaco Canyon is these doorways are actually very, very small. Um, here, I'll go ahead and stand up. Kind of get an idea. You have to really bend down. So were they smaller? Was it just part of their construction system? Wasn't maybe even a... Uh, rev something to do with reverence, like you know, part of their worship system. As you go away and you have to bow down, I don't know. Um, it makes you really wonder as to why that was, but you know, we can only speculate now as to why it was constructed like this. Was it something that made them get closer to the earth and feel that energy here? We don't. This keeps clipping off a little early, but uh, yeah. So that was one particular entranceway, two different ways into that room. There was one particular entranceway where you had to get really, really down, basically crawl into it. And so, um, you know, some people are trying to say, well, they were just super small people. No, they, they, they weren't two and a half feet high. I mean, come on. Um, <laughs> you know, they may have been, you know, smaller than the average person today, but they weren't like two and a half feet tall walking in there. Um, they they had to get down. They had to at least bow down, if not crawl, uh, to be able to get into there. And you know, if if they were again, there were you know giants in the area as well. So, and I don't think these particular people were giants, but if if some of them were, they definitely had to get down on uh, on all fours to get into there. And Victoria is saying that she knows what those basins are. Uh, she's saying that they are how they ground corn and other grains. There's a display of them 
in Mesa. Okay, I'll have to check that out because uh, what's interesting to me, Victoria, is that um, you know, once again, there's there's no description in either of these locations as to what these things were. Um, you know, like with the little booklet there in uh, in Chaco, and they're describing all the other things in the room and what they believe they were used for. They never said anything about that basin. And the same thing at Montezuma's castle. And there were a few different ones there. And, and that one, because I saw them in, okay, it, it's in this room, and there's one in that room, and there's one in that room. That would make sense to me, except for the fact, again, that there's no, there was no documentation there as to what they were. And again, it was just a brief lookup, you know, me trying to discover, okay, what are, what are these things? I'm looking up, you know, Montezuma's well, Stone Basin, that sort of thing. And there's, again, nothing on it. I mean, they're all talking about the, you know, the cliff dwelling and, and that sort of thing. Um, so I would continue to do some deeper research. It just kind of struck me that in neither one of these locations are they stating anything about it but um so i'll look that up if, if there's some in in mesa then i'll look that up and uh and see if if that's the connection which you know is a perfectly logical um you know what do i want to say um a practical purpose for something like that uh, what i find interesting about the one in chaco is that's the only one I found at Pueblo Benito, and it happened to be in this seemingly special room. So again, that room, you know, low entrance way. The way I first came into it, you have the inset in the wall, that that basin right in the middle of the floor, and then on the other side. And this is a piece that I've never uh, shown, even in my uh, my Chaco Canyon video that I posted on uh, YouTube. Uh, what, it would have been almost two years ago. Um, something I do need to note here. Um, I, I don't know if I said it in the other video or if I'm about to say it. Um, the term Anasazi is a, and I didn't know this when I recorded it, and I didn't know it, and I didn't know it when I posted it to YouTube. It's actually a derogatory term. Um, it's, a, it's a term that I've heard my entire life. Um, as being the name of these people. It's actually a derogatory term that the uh, the Navajo gave those people. And so basically uh, what happened was, you know, you have the white man coming into the territory asking, okay, who were these people? And the Navajo not liking them told them the derogatory term. And once the white people started using it, then, you know, the Navajo, <laughs> you know, they're you know, laughing at them like, you know, they're using the derogatory term. Um, so basically what we call them now are ancient Pueblans because we don't know precisely who they were. You know, we believe that they, uh, you know, were most likely ancestors of the Hopi. We actually don't precisely know that for sure. Um, but it's what, you know, we currently believe. So in any case, uh, this is the other doorway out of that particular room there's um so that room with the inset in the basin there's there is one door that you can walk through that's just a regular size door into another room and then from that room there is this interesting door so throughout many of the structures there are these t-shaped doorways and 
highly speculative as to what they were actually used for. Some believe that they were ceremonial, not practical, but they have these little seals, these little ledges here. Don't know if they were actually used for anything or it was just, some people believe that they were used to mark a special location that you were entering. Again, we're speculating as to what these things were. Also, did these originate here or did these type of doorways originate in Mexico? So many mysteries still here. We have something that just hit me while I'm standing here looking at this T-shaped structure. This is a hole, a doorway, I get that. But where else do we talk about T-shaped structures? Gobekli Tepe. Is this just the inverse was created out there more than 10,000 years ago? It just hit me as I'm standing right here looking at it. This is what I love about ancient mysteries. We may never find the answers, but it gets you asking the questions. Okay, a couple things from that. When uh, I first started that clip, I was kind of you know midstream, um, and so it, it's kind of out of context. When I said that there are like several of those around, I don't mean there at Pueblo Benito. That's like the one there at Pueblo Benito. I was talking about like throughout the American Southwest when you see uh, that type of doorway. Uh, but yeah, while I'm standing there, you see me you know stop and I'm pausing. I'm just staring at it. Uh, you know, because I'm suddenly drawing this connection from, okay, this is a T-shape. Now, it's it's basically a hole into a wall. And I'm drawing a correlation to, you know, Gobekli Tepe, which is based, you know, it's a, it's a stone pillar that's in a T-shape. But it's, you know, we go back to our, our class on ancient symbolism and what these different things meant over time. And so it's, you know, it's these different shapes, it's these different symbols, and there are different ways to be able to represent them. Now, go back to Tepe, far predates, you know, a place like Chaco Canyon and other locations throughout the uh, American Southwest by thousands of years. But, um, you know, we've seen as we've gone through our different classes and our, our different studies that, uh, these symbols are passed down over the years, over the millennia, and they're carried on. So, you know, symbols that we have today have been around for uh, many, many years that have uh, come to us from other civilizations. Half the time, we don't understand what many of them mean. Uh, some, of course, you know, we're, we do retain that knowledge and others, you know, the symbol's still there and we're unknowingly using it. So, I mean, I could be totally off base and totally wrong, and I've kind of held on to that one. I almost put it into the Chaco video, uh, but you know, I decided to, to hang on to it for a little while and be like, you know, I want to do some some more research. Uh, I was when I was going to write the uh, the Shadow Dimension book, which has now become the Connecting the Universe book. Um, I was going to, and I'm still going to address it in there, uh, but that kind of got pushed back and, and what have you because of the Alaska Triangle book that recently came out and I'm still working of course on the uh, Connecting the Universe book but in any case you know we see that symbol there in that doorway and again um, you know even you know you know mainstream kind of recognizes that 
uh, you know, this doorway symbolized something special. Well, again, that area that we were just talking about uh, with, with that room, with the basin on the floor, the inset in the wall, this is the only other way in there through that one small doorway that you have to crawl through or through this T-shaped door. So this area of the, of the complex is, is very, very special. Does it have connections back to Gobekli Tepe? Maybe not directly, but the symbolism, I believe, is there. So what uh, those peoples, you know, back in ancient times, uh, built those pillars in the shape of a T for, maybe the same type of reason as to why this doorway is in a T shape. So there you go. <laughs> Um, and, and Bill here is uh, so interesting that the ancient places have so much in common with each other. Absolutely. Yeah, you see that uh, throughout throughout all time that you have these connections that link them all together, which is why we talk about uh, the, the connected universe. Uh, in Victoria, that's weird. They wouldn't describe those. What if the doors were smaller as defense if the Nephilim were there? Uh, they wouldn't be able to enter. Now, that's a good point. So, you know, let's say that, um, that you had the giants around. Uh, yeah, they might have a, a lot harder time trying to fit into uh, those doors. That's a good point. Uh, okay, so we have some other material here from Chaco that I want to get into. Um, let me get into the, uh, we have the Kivas and Petroglyphs in about 10 minutes left to go. So, uh let me play these clips and we'll discuss. Okay, behind me and below me is one of the great four kivas here of Pueblo Benito. Now these were used obviously for ceremonial purposes. You can see uh, the benches down there where people would have sat. They believe that maybe different idols or objects of worship were placed within the uh, little uh, alcoves there and there's certainly a fire pit down in the middle there so we don't know exactly um, what type of ceremonies were conducted here that's still kind of a mystery some people think they're related to the uh, kivas of today we don't know uh, the ancient aliens guys think that this place was domed while uh, archaeologists believe that they were they had a uh, wooden roof to it so again it's it's a lot of speculation we really don't know but um, a place like this, you can definitely feel uh, the energy coming from there because of all that energy that was put into uh, this location to begin with. You have to remember that during their ceremonies, they're creating a lot of energy here and the walls here are going to retain a lot of that energy, you know, even now, you know, over a thousand years later. Okay, I think I said the word energy about uh, 10 times in that little clip, but it's true. You know, you're, you're sitting there, you know, in this location and you are feeling that energy off the stone. And, uh, you know, you talk about uh, you know, things like stone tape theory or uh, how, uh, you know, energy could be trapped within these different structures and they almost have like a type of memory. And this is, you know, something that we talk about when we get into, you know, the, the realm of the paranormal and what, you know, kicks off, you know, these different uh, sightings of ghosts and spirits and, you know, residual haunts and things like that are though, is that energy being trapped within the structure and then something's able to, to kick it off. Well, regardless of whether it get kicks off, 
gets kicked off or not and you see a ghost or an apparition, the energy is trapped and stored within the structure there, within the stonework, uh, in, in different uh, facets of, of the building or structure. Well, even if it's not being you know expelled to be able to view something, it's still stored within there and you're feeling that that tension and that pressure and that buildup that's within the the walls that's within the structure and so you know let me give you another another photo of that uh how you can see you know the stairs coming down there you know absolutely uh it's a, it's a ceremonial area you know how they actually perform their ceremonies we don't know uh, we you know we can only guess and speculate because those customs and traditions have been lost to time you know but you can see that Obviously, there's there's something going on here. You know, the the middle, uh, you know, you have a, a basically like a pit there on the left hand side. You know, what it was used for, we don't know. You can see that people probably sat around in a circle here because you can see the um, it's almost like a small amphitheater there. Those, uh, you know, those basically little cavities on the side of the walls that are squares. There's a couple different schools of thought. Neither one is right or wrong. Uh, the idea that some of them had, you know, idols or items of worship put inside, and then others believe that they were actually, you know, just part of the structure to help hold up a roof. We don't know for sure. You know, there are guesses to it. Uh, off on the side, I have to show this one real quick. Uh, this is uh, Chaco Canyon's Hot Tub Kiva. <laughs> I joke around about this one all the time. Uh, it just kind of struck me as I was, you know, walking around the area and looked down at this one. Um, you know, to, to me, it kind of resembles, uh, you know, a hot tub. <laughs> just because, you know, you have like these little half pillars there in which it looks like people could very easily sit on each one. And then you have the the hole in the bottom there to, you know, you know what's that used for? Is that used to drain out water? Um, you know, and it very well, okay, you know, hot tub kiva, you know, maybe it wasn't a hot tub, but you could see something like a ceremonial bath there, uh, I believe. Again, we don't know precisely what happened there, but to me that could be one in which you perform some sort of, uh, of ceremonial cleansing or bath or, or what have you. And so, and we see those types of traditions, you know, carried out again across, you know, the world in different in different variations. So, all right, a few minutes left here. I do want to get to because this goes into Victoria's question early on about the swirls, uh, the petroglyphs. And what we see there uh, with the, uh, again, the, the swirls or the, uh, the circle patterns. On the stone behind me are petroglyphs. And this is actually called petroglyph trail because all along the canyon walls here are a number of different petroglyphs, which is basically the ancient artwork from the Anasazi culture that had been here. It's left up to us to try to decipher what these things mean. You can see kind of the swirl shape behind us, and that is in a number of these different petroglyphs. So some think that they may be spirit portals, some think that they may represent the actual galaxies above, a lot of different things, spirit energy. But we actually see this swirl pattern in a lot of different ancient cultures, not just here, but all over the world, which makes you question again the tie-in of ancient cultures all across the globe even though they are separated by thousands and thousands of miles 
across continents, but yet they still have some sort of apparent connection. Okay, so with these particular swirl patterns in Chaco, um, these are attributed to the star people. And you know, when we talk about star people, <laughs> of course, uh, we start uh, you know, speculating about extraterrestrials, ETs, uh, visitors to our planet, who exactly were the star people, and how you know, how are the swirls represented representative of them. Do these represent stargates or portals? And you know that's a um, that's a large idea of what these things represent, not just there but across the world. Um, when we look at the the same type of patterns in Sardinia, well, Sardinia has uh, legends and ties to Atlantis. It has legends and ties to giants. So, and you have those types of legends there in the american southwest as well we you know we have stories of giants there uh we we're talking about lemuria earlier which is you know kind of like the pacific version of the atlantis story uh, so you see these you know same similar connections again all over the world for you know cultures that were not supposed to have been connected but apparently were uh with a couple minutes left and i wanted to get a little deeper into that but i'll just kind of refer back to our uh our other classes that we've had on ancient symbolism that we've had on stargates and portals because i do get more into that there and i show some of those other patterns from sardinia and newgrange and other areas of the world uh, it's absolutely fascinating uh, i do briefly want to uh talk about sedona here real quick because uh bill did ask about you know feeling uh that energy and sedona is supposed to be one of those locations that is um you're supposed to have that vortex energy that you know wells up from the the earth's core and you've you've uh, you'll, you'll spawn off portals, you'll uh, feel the different things going on there, uh, people will have spiritual awakenings, people go there for healing, all those sorts of things. Uh, this is Cathedral Rock, which uh, I, I climbed up and broke my good camera. Zoom doesn't work on it now, so one of these days hopefully I'll get it fixed. Uh, absolutely beautiful, majestic view uh, like this. It was just absolutely amazing. I loved being there. Did not have enough time, of course. You know, kind of like I've been saying. But um, as far as like trying to be up there, and you know, you're thinking, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go climb up this magnificent place and get into a real Zen moment and just be like, um, and you know, like meditate. And it was very difficult actually because there I was not the only person there. There are plenty of other people trying to climb up it. Now, as you got further and further up. Uh, the number of people kind of, you know, trailed off. But um, I'll just, I'll play this clip and you'll kind of understand a little bit better why it was uh, difficult that particular day. So, it's absolutely beautiful out here. But you thought you were going to have peace and quiet at a place like this. You're wrong. Because there are people all over the freaking place. I mean, it's touristy, yes, but you also have the photo shoot behind me in which they were periodically playing music. And it's like, you hear it? It's like hip-hop, R&B type stuff. And it's like, it's totally not the vibe here. 
yeah, so <laughs> that was a challenge. They were doing a photo shoot there right at the base of Cathedral Rock. And, you know, whenever one of the models would go out there to, to do her photos, they would start cranking up the music and, you know, snapping their photos and all that stuff. And then whenever she would finish up, all the other girls would cheer. Woo! And it's like, you know, we're, I'm trying to experience this place. I mean, it's a fantastic place to do a photo shoot like that. But it's like, I'm trying to experience the energy of this place. <laughs> this this is totally ruining that. I mean, it's it's already you know difficult enough because you do have a lot of people that are there. Um, you know, there's some kids running around. They're doing a little bit of screaming and all that too, um, which is fine. You know, you know, parents are taking their kids out to be able to experience something, which I'm cool with. Um, but to have that going on too, and they did not finish up until it started getting dark. Uh, you know, I was basically pretty much already back down cathedral rock when they would finally decided they were going to finish up and it's like okay yeah sure now you guys finish but um yeah kind of crazy but still it's an amazing place um you know the entire time i was there it was just like this is absolutely majestic and that was the word that i kept using if you you watch the video out there in the connected universe portal on uh on sedona or Cathedral Rock specifically, uh, that is the term that I keep using all the time is majestic, majestic, majestic. Uh, so uh, be sure to check that out. Let me check here for any last uh, questions and comments. Um, uh, and Bill saying as far as that door, you can think of it as a keyhole T-shaped pillar in the doorway. Uh, could be. You know, what's interesting that you mentioned uh, keyhole. If you look back here at the overhead, the aerial shot of Chaco, uh, look down at the lower right-hand corner. You do see one of the kivas there in the shape of a key. Um, that's a tale for another day because you do see some of these key-shaped structures like that uh, all over the world. Uh, just, you know, offhand specifically, the, uh, you know, the cemeteries in uh, Japan that are you know, overhead, you see the shape of the key, and they're perfectly uh, kept up in that shape, which is amazing. They have several of them. But, uh, yeah, that is, that is a shape that you see uh, across the world, too, is, is that keyhole shape. Uh, let's see, uh, Victoria, James Keenan said many times that they didn't depict everyday things, only the big headline news. Interesting. Um, in re reference to, okay, I, I guess I lost the reference somewhere in here. Oh, there's a whole other big comment up there that uh, I'm not going to read right now because we need to finish up. <laughs> so, but I'll, I'll read it when we're done here, Victoria, and I'll get back to you on that. So, um all right, everybody, uh, that is it for our episode today, or class today. I keep saying episode because I'm used to edge of the rabbit hole. Uh, but be sure to join us, of course, next week, ConnectingUniversePortal.com for those that are listening later on the podcast out there on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, all those wonderful places where this is listened to, as well as our syndicated shows, KGRA Radio and KPNL. Be sure to join us out here, ConnectedUniversePortal.com, live 8 o'clock Wednesday night. Uh, you can join us in the chat. You can watch the uh, the videos and the, 
the photos that go along with all this. And plus, out on ConnectedUniversePortal.com, you get all the uh, the other videos as well. So I made reference several times to the uh, uh, the special features videos that some of these clips are taken from. Uh, we have the Q&A videos, the monthly Q&A, which, by the way, guys, I, I do have your question. Anybody else that still needs to get in a question, you got like a day. <laughs> you got your Q&A videos out there. You got your behind the scenes, the sneak peeks. You have the morning mug videos. You have all the fantastic articles out there and, and everything else that goes on at ConnectedUniversePortal.com. All right, everybody, have a great night. Till next time.